which means that you probably did one of two things, if not both, this past week. You probably set some goals or some resolutions, if you will, for the year of 2017. And maybe some of you took time to look back at 2016 to see what happened this past year. Maybe you took some time to reflect a little bit. Well, if you did what I did, I took some time to reflect, but I didn't just want to reflect on my own life. I wanted to reflect on what had happened around the world and in the lives of other people. And so I looked at an article put out by the New York Times called A Year in Pictures. Now, the New York Times compiled a ton of pictures to describe the year of 2016. And so I was looking through these pictures, and I'll be honest with you, they weren't a very happy set of pictures. Some of them were pretty random, like there was a picture of a woman walking down Wall Street. Don't really know how that describes 2016, but they decided it did. But there were some other pictures that hit me. Pictures capturing violence or heartache, sadness, starving families and children, really hard things that had happened over the year 2016. And it made me ask a question. I wondered, what do we do when we live in a world that marks a year by remembering things like mass shootings and terrorism and starving families? What are we called to do when we live in a world that is marked by such darkness? What are we called as individuals to do? And what are we called as the church to do? And as Christians, we have to answer this question. And I believe we have two options. We can ignore the darkness, that which is around us and that that is inside of us. Or we can choose to embrace a new, hopeful, light filled reality that Jesus makes possible. And as Christians, I believe we are called to choose option two, to choose this new reality, this new hope-filled reality in our world of darkness. And today in the church calendar, it's called the baptism of our Lord Sunday, which means churches all over the world are going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus this morning. And so we're going to do that. And as we look at the story of the baptism of Jesus, we are going to see the way that even though we live in a world marked by darkness, our Savior Jesus makes a new hopeful reality possible. And we're going to see how he invites us to live into that new reality by looking at his baptism and by looking at his entire ministry and what his mission really was. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. And we're going to start there this morning. The words will be on the screen, so you can read along up there. I'm reading from the New International Version this morning. And this is the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. 
Now, I grew up very familiar with the story of Jesus' baptism. And most of the time when I read it, I didn't really understand why John was asking what he was asking. I mean, Jesus is saying he needs to be baptized. Just listen to him. He's Jesus. He knows what he's talking about, right? But John asks the question, why do you come to me? I need to be baptized by you, not the other way around. And as I was reading this, I asked myself that question. Why does Jesus go to be baptized? See, the entire time John has been preaching a message of repentance— He's been preaching a baptism of repentance, calling people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and to be baptized as a symbol of that repentance. So why does Jesus, the sinless, spotless, perfect son of God, go to be baptized? Why does he accept a sinner's baptism? Now, thankfully, John asked the question and Jesus answered. And Jesus said, let us do this now to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus had to be baptized because when Jesus accepted the sinner's baptism, he united himself ever more closely with sinful humanity. He took on the sins of humankind because we couldn't fulfill our own righteousness. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect, but then sin entered the world. And they were lost, and the world was broken, and it was dark. And the darkness inside of us was so great that there was nothing that we could do on our own to get rid of it. We could not fulfill the righteousness of God on our own. So 2 Corinthians tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, when Jesus tells John that this must be done to fulfill all righteousness, he's not just explaining why he was baptized. He's explaining why he came in the first place. Jesus came to earth to fulfill all righteousness, a righteousness we could not fulfill on our own, to make a new reality possible. We were trapped in our sin and our darkness. But God was not content to leave us that way. And so Jesus came And that is what the incarnation is. Now, the incarnation is a big kind of theology term that talks about when God became human. And see, in the incarnation, the light of God enters the darkness of humanity. And see, God became human, and he didn't do this halfway. He was fully God and fully man in some way that we will never really be able to understand. But when all of God entered all of humanity— The light of God entered every dark place. And so in the manger, God entered the poor, suffering birth of a human in a cave where animals were kept. And in the river, the light of God entered the darkness of sin by accepting a sinner's baptism. And then on the cross, our God entered the shame and sin and suffering of a criminal's death that he did not deserve. And in all those ways, we see the incarnation. We see the light of God entering every area of human darkness to bring light, to bring something new, to make a new reality possible. And that was the mission of Jesus. That's why he came, because we no longer have to live trapped in our darkness. And we see that very, very clearly in Isaiah chapter 42. 
Now, Isaiah 42 is one of four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. And these servant songs are all about this coming servant of God who is going to bring deliverance. Now, we read these as Christians, and we know that this is about Jesus. This is describing Jesus' mission to us. So this is Isaiah 42, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare— Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. And this describes the mission of Jesus to us. It's a mission that will bring about justice. It's a mission that will bring light and sight and freedom and will make all things new. Now see, if we're honest with ourselves, this sounds really good. It sounds encouraging, but sometimes... It's hard to embrace as a truth that changes our lives because the darkness can be very overwhelming. This past week, I had to take my mom to the Cleveland Clinic. Now, the Cleveland Clinic is a hospital in Cleveland, Ohio, and it doesn't look anything like a hospital. It is the most amazing facility I have ever been in in my life. I mean, the floors are carpeted, the furniture is nice, there's like these concierge people waiting for you at the front door in these shiny red coats. It doesn't look like a hospital at all. And the level of care we receive is amazing. But even with all this joy and all this hope that they're trying to create, you can't escape the fact that you're in a hospital. You can't escape the despair that is everywhere. The moms walking around with small children that you know are sick. The family members wheeling people around who can barely sit themselves up in those wheelchairs. Young married couples starting their married lives out in a hospital waiting room. It's clear that you're in a hospital. It's clear that there is brokenness, that there is despair. And no matter how happy and joyful the doctors are trying to be, sometimes it's hard to cling to that. And I think that's how life is a lot of the time. Because we have these promises in Scripture, but they're hard to wrap our minds around because the darkness is so thick and we can't escape it because it's there and it's real. And we wonder what to do. And I think that maybe the first hearers of this prophecy from Isaiah felt the same way. Because you can almost hear them when Isaiah says, see, in this servant, the islands will put their hope. And you can almost hear them saying, hope? What hope? 
Maybe Isaiah is even asking himself that. Hope, what hope? And then God, in his infinite wisdom, says this. He says, I am the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. In other words, you can have hope because of who I am. Because of who God is. He is the creator of the universe who gives breath to all who live and life to those who walk in the earth. And he is the one who is going to make things new. And he is the one who is going to bring forth justice and sight and freedom. And he is going to do it. And it says he's not going to stop or be discouraged until he finishes it. And so we can have hope because God is still working and he is still making things new and he is not going to stop until he has achieved what he has set out to do, bringing justice and freedom. And so we have hope in that and we can cling to that. So the question then becomes how? How do we live this out? How do we live in this new hope-filled reality that the coming of Jesus makes possible for us? And I think we have to ask ourselves two questions. The first question is a question that you have to ask yourself. And it's more of a question that you really have to look inside of you and let God help you figure out. And you need to ask yourselves, are you living trapped by darkness? Are you living trapped by darkness? See, Isaiah says that Jesus is going to come to release from prison those who sit in darkness. Are you living trapped by darkness? This darkness could be a sin issue. See, private sins that happen in your head are really easy to ignore sometimes because nobody else really knows they're happening. And so things like envy and lust and critical attitudes and anxiety and all these things that cram into our heads and consume us, bitterness, unforgiveness, these things that consume us from the inside— are, they, are you letting them trap you in darkness? And it might not even be something like that. It might be the darkness that surrounds you in your own personal life. Life is just not working the way that you thought it was supposed to, and people are hurting in your families, and things are just not going well, and this darkness is just all around you, and it's covering you. And you don't know what to do about it. And you're feeling trapped in the darkness. And I want to encourage you today that our God has already entered your darkness. Whatever darkness it is that is keeping you trapped, God already went there. God goes before you and he will sustain you. He knows what darkness is holding you captive and he wants to set you free from that. And he's already started making it new. And so you have to give him your darkness and let his light come in. Surrender it to him. It's probably, it might be a day-by-day day thing. It might be a moment-by-moment, minute-by-minute, second-by-second, constantly inviting the light of God into your life. But don't let the darkness trap you any longer. There's a beautiful prayer that I love that says, Though the darkness covers me, I will remember your light. See, the truth is, when we give our lives to Jesus, things don't magically get better. Suffering doesn't go away. Things don't magically get easier. But when the darkness covers us, we can remember the light of God that has already entered every area of human darkness and is working to make all things new. And we can put our hope 
and our trust in that and be set free from the darkness that traps us? So that's the first question that we need to ask ourselves. And then the second question we need to ask ourselves as individuals and we also need to ask ourselves as a church. We need to ask if we are being a light in the darkness. Are we being a light in the darkness? Like I said, there's darkness in our world, and we're not going to be able to get rid of it. It's not going anywhere until Jesus comes back. And so we need to ask ourselves if we are being light. Because when we are set free with the light of Jesus, then we are called to be light to the community around us. And sometimes this is hard because you kind of have to battle, because sometimes it means doing things that are a little uncomfortable. This past week, my mom and I were in the church, and we were looking out the window towards this front parking lot. Now, normally during the week, nobody parks out front. If people are going to come, they park over here in the side. And so there was a car in the front parking lot. My mom and I were like, well, that's weird. And so we're looking out the window, and we don't recognize the person sitting in the car. And the next thing I know, I see in the passenger seat, like this little body kind of move. I looked at my mom, and I was like, I think there's a kid out there, too. Now, it was cold, right? It's the winter in upstate New York, and it was cold outside. And there's just this car sitting in our parking lot. And there was something inside of me. It was God. (laughs) God was inside of me saying, something's not okay. Now, it was a little uncomfortable to go talk to a random stranger in our church parking lot, but God made me recognize that that something was not okay. And so my mom and I walked out there and kind of waved into the window, and there was a young girl in her early 20s sitting in the driver's seat, and she had her daughter with her, and we asked her, hey, are you okay? She said, no, not really. (laughs) And we invited her into the church, because again, it was freezing. And so she came in, and she just started pouring her story out, and she was crying, and her story was one that was marked by abuse and hurt and mistakes and pain and a lot of darkness, and a lot of darkness that, to be honest, I couldn't do much about. And so you feel helpless, and you wonder, how are you supposed to be a light in these situations that are just so dark? But Jesus allowed my mom and I to be him to this woman and her daughter. We didn't do much. You know, we gave her baby wipes. I was like, and we talked to her. And it felt like there's so much more that needs to be done. But sometimes it's just those little ways of just following when Jesus calls you to go. And just letting, remembering that his light fills you. And you are called to be that light to the darkness around us. Because guys, there's real darkness out there. And we cannot keep the light of Jesus to ourselves. When the light sets us free, we have to take it out there. We have to watch the light of God transform this community because we know that we serve a God who makes all things new. And so we have to be a part of bringing that new, hope-filled, light reality to the dark world around us. And so we as a church need to ask ourselves, how are we doing that? And you need to ask yourselves that. How are you being a light in the darkness? And this is something to talk to your grow groups about. This is something to talk to your families about. How are we being light in the darkness? Because the world needs us. Because we point them to Jesus.
and that's who they really need. This world needs Jesus to change them and to set them free from the darkness that covers them. And so we have to take that light and be the light of God to a world covered in darkness. As I was looking through those pictures that are supposed to describe 2016, I noticed something. There wasn't a single picture of a church. In all the pictures to describe 2016, no pictures of a church. But there was this picture that's on the cover of your bulletin and right up here. And this is a picture of a woman in Berlin. And she is laying candles in Christmas Market, which is where the truck plowed through and killed many people and injured several others. And after that act of darkness, that act of violence, this woman decided to go to the Christmas Market. And she's laying candles in the shape of a cross. And to me, that's a picture of the church and what we are called to do. We are called to enter areas of darkness with the light and hope of Christ that came because Christ died on a cross. Guys, we have hope in our sufferings because God embraced suffering on a cross and went there before us, and we need to let the world know that. We need to bring the light of God to the areas of darkness because Jesus is the light of the world. And though there is darkness in the world, it cannot overcome his light. The darkness doesn't win, the light of God does. And we need to be bringing that to the world. What would 2017 look like if we saw more pictures like this one? More churches, more Christians being instruments of that peace, instruments of God's light and bringing it to the areas of darkness. How would our community change if we made that our mission this year? To just go out into our community with the light and hope of Jesus. How would we change? As we go today, may you go no longer trapped to darkness, but as free agents of the light of God.